Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right, welcome to Out of the Blue from Mason Brew on the SB Nation Podcast Network, the podcast that has more heart than Eli Whitney because he is dead. I am Jared Stormer of MasonBrew.com. With me, as always, is Andy Bailey, also of MasonBrew.com. Andy, you vision of American masculinity in the 21st century. How the hell are you, my friend? I spent the entire day arguing with a water company of my previous residence, so it was eventful. But um, how are you? I mean, I spent all day arguing with a guy that doesn't believe climate change is real. So it sounds like both of us would have been better served beating our heads against a wall. <laughs> we really need football back so we can yell about something reasonably. Exactly. Yell about something that we, you know, really care about and that matters, like Michigan football. Uh, but we got through the bye week. Uh, did you watch any football last Saturday or did you enjoy your bye week being an actual human being and participating in society? <laughs> I chose not to be a football degenerate this weekend. Avoided some college football, spent time with family, the wife. You've got to do that occasionally, keep the marriage intact. Uh, watched a little NFL, but avoided college for the most part. Did did catch a little bit of the Michigan State game, though. Yeah, absolutely, uh, and we'll get to that in a minute. But uh, while I disagree that time needs to be spent with family or in any social settings away from football, uh, it is good to get away, kind of take a breath a little bit. I was able to watch some college football last week, not as much as I normally would, but uh, – you know, you, you learn some things about some potential opponents and the state of, of college football. So let's, let's kind of talk about that before we get into breaking down Wisconsin this week. Um, but first, I want to kind of touch on on Michigan, what we did here in the in the off week and in the bye week. And there wasn't much. 
other than injury updates or lack thereof. Sounds like Shea Patterson is healed and we don't know much else. Uh, John Runyon ate four eggs that he cracked with one hand and um, he looks like he might be playing. So that's also good news. All right, this is this is big right here. Let's expand on that. Four eggs, one hand. Not quite as impressive as Paul Newman's run with like 100 eggs in Cool Hand Luke, but still very impressive. Yeah, he's no stranger to eggs. I mean, have you seen John Runyon? <laughs> I've seen John Runyon. His neck is larger than my ottoman. His neck is larger than Paul Newman. <laughs> <laughs> he absolutely is. And uh, no really word yet if he'll be playing. That would be a big one for us if we get Runyon back. But it doesn't sound like we're going to know anything until we see who trots out there on Saturday. Uh, I'm kind of, you know, I want to get my hopes up for DPJ, but it doesn't really sound good for him. I, I'm getting that impression. Are you? I don't, man. I feel like he's not going to play. I I feel like if he were, we would know at this point. I feel really optimistic, though, about Runyon, Shea Patterson, John Ross. Uh, John Ross. Josh Ross. I'm watching too much NFL. Um, but I'm still really dubious about uh, whether if Michael Dwumfor or DPJ is going to play. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. Dwumfor, uh, I think he's still working through that hand injury. He would be a big get for us, especially since uh, who we're going up against. But uh, we'll get into that more. But yeah, for right now, not really much on the injury update side of things. But uh, looking around the Big Ten, there was quite a bit to be gleaned from last week. Uh, Ohio State is really freaking good. I think we already knew that. Was kind of hoping that Indiana might give them a little test so that I could, you know, have something that resembles hope. I have none. Uh, they they steamrolled Indiana. I don't know how good Indiana is, but chances are they'll probably take us to overtime. <laughs> That's what it seems like. People keep asking me, I think Michigan's going to beat Ohio State as they do anybody when they find out they're a Michigan fan. And I just tell them, let me enjoy September. Please shut up. Yeah, I still got September and October that I get to enjoy before November comes crashing down on me. I don't want yeah. to think about it. But yeah, it's like they're talking about Christmas, except Christmas can be really fun or you're not going to get any presents. Right. Or, you know, your your dad's an alcoholic and, and beats you in front of the Christmas tree using a stocking stuffed with Legos and coal. I was just going to say no presents, but we know whatever works for you, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, that doesn't happen to everyone. <laughs> uh, but look into some other teams in the Big Ten before we get to the the obvious one that we'll have to touch on. Maryland came back down to earth a little bit there and uh, was talking with my stepdad about how good they looked and how I was convinced it was Loxley that was the architect of Alabama's offense. And he he told me to, you know, to pump the brakes on that. He said, wait till some teams with good defense get tape on Maryland. And it looks like that's exactly what happened as their offense just hit a brick wall. <laughs> they hit a brick wall. They won the turnover battle three to one. <laughs> Temple had a bad snap on a punt, which caused the safety. Like, I don't know how they blew this game. They hit a brick wall. They hit Temple, the Temple Owls. I was so happy to see this. We we were both really excited to see, you know, another good offense in the Big Ten. Probably, you know, got a little bit out of control with the hype for this team. But, you know, we're excited for college football. Sue me. So it was nice to see him come back down. They're probably going to be 6-6, six and six, as Maryland often is. Yeah, and it wasn't just us, though. I was reading an article from one of the major outlets. I mean, I go to ESPN, CBS, or Big Ten Network, and it was one of them that said, now this team has, looks more like an eight-win team. And, I mean, I'm surprised that they didn't, you know, tell everyone to use caution because, yeah, I mean, once they see some better teams and people get tape on them, I mean, Maryland was doing some weird stuff, putting like three running backs at a time out on the field. People get tape on that. You know, they can key in on Anthony McFarland, who's a hell of a running back. 
But yeah, they came back down to earth and will still be a better team. But yeah, more like a six win team about what we were expecting. Uh, Illinois kind of came back down to earth. Brandon Peters uh, took some shots in that. I'm not sure that he's going to be available next week, but I I didn't really hear too much on that. Uh, Wisconsin was off last week and Penn State just barely surviving against Pitt, kind of coming back down to earth as well. More like what I expected out of Penn State. Yeah, to go back to your Brandon Peters point, if their offensive line is getting torched by Eastern Michigan, God be with BP when he faces this Michigan front. Like Once they start getting into Big Ten play and they see the Chase Youngs of the world and everybody like that, they're going to be in a lot of trouble. I hope Peters can stay healthy. He's had durability issues, as we all know. They're well documented. But that was tough to watch at times, some of the hits he took. And Penn State survived. That's about all they did. They they really came back down. They weren't hanging 70 on anybody this week. And I thought Pitt took the coward way out by kicking a field goal at the one-yard line and then proceeding not to score in the fourth quarter and losing the game. <laughs> well, I mean, they are coached by a Mark D'Antonio disciple, so being aggressive is not really in their DNA. Uh, which brings me to my next point. Speaking of teams that don't know the meaning of the word aggressive, I did watch the majority of the Michigan State-Arizona State game, uh, you know, mostly just to see, you know, what we were up against, but also I do enjoy rooting for Michigan State as much as I enjoy anything in this life and such an easy team to root against. I mean, you want to talk about an unbalanced team that is just one of the best defenses you'll see in the country with extremely anemic offense. Nothing has really changed from last year's iteration of Michigan State, and I don't know why Mark D'Antonio doesn't get more more crap, and Jim Harbaugh is just constantly you know, you know, being stoked over the fire here when Mark D'Antonio did nothing to change that team, and they looked maybe worse outside of their defense than they did last year. Yeah, I think their offense looks way worse than last year. Um, we're both kind of Brian Lewerke truthers out here. We defend him as being a competent quarterback, as a lot of the Michigan State quarterbacks have been in the D'Antonio system. But this was just hard to watch. Like, their offense was so pathetic. And this defense is top-notch, first-rate. Like you said, one of the best you're going to watch in the country, if not the best. And they just completely waste it. I can't imagine how you keep morale up in that locker room telling your defense, If they score 14 points, we might lose. That's the thing. Yeah, you should be able to count on your offense for 14 points. And their defense right now cannot. And it's not that this offense is necessarily worse. I would push back on that. I think the offense is a little better. Lewerke had better numbers. The running game looked a little better. But when they get across, you know, into their opponent's field position over into opponent territory, they just become so conservative. I mean, there is no, like, want to, no, no looking for explosive plays, I mean, it is just, it is bland, it is vanilla, it is gutless. I mean, with 11 seconds left, they had time to run a play and get a little bit closer for the field goal, um, and instead decided to, hey, we'll just kick it right in here and there. But it is Michigan State, not exactly known for their education, and they had too many men on the field. <laughs> I don't know how that happens. I, I can't believe it. I don't know why, when you have a struggling kicker, he'd already missed two field goals, you don't try to get a little bit closer, center the ball up a little for him, just help him out a little bit. No, they really put him in a position to fail, but with all that said, you know they're still going to come out ready to play Michigan, and it's going to be a ball game with eight minutes to go in the fourth. Oh, I almost guarantee it. It absolutely will be. Luckily, that one's at home, and uh, we, we have the superior team, I believe, in every aspect, but... I mean, don't overlook that defense. That defense is going to create some problems. But I mean, like you said, if you can put up 17 points, you got to expect to win because they're not really capable of lighting it up at all. 
Exactly. Their defense will keep them in every game this season. I'm really interested to watch Ohio State's offense go up against that defense personally. Yeah, then we'll finally know a little bit more about just how good this Ohio State team is. But I mean, with their 56 ranked strength of schedule or whatever it is, I mean, we don't get to see too many tests. And even the tests they do have all come to the horseshoe. So You mean Miami of Ohio in week four doesn't count as tough? I mean, it depends on what your definition of tough is, but just outside of my criteria. <laughs> it's like Chuck Liddell fighting Betty White. <laughs> it's exactly like that. I couldn't think of any possible comparison. Like peak Chuck Liddell against current Betty White, too. Not like Betty White 1946. Yeah, no, like Betty White now. Like 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 still a babe, but like, you know, sure. she's she lost a couple a couple miles per hour on that fastball. <laughs> to say the least about Betty White. But uh <laughs> look, I don't want to go down another Betty White rabbit hole again. We've been there. Uh, <laughs> Uh, anything else from around the Big Ten that you wanted to touch on or around college football in general that you saw that you wanted to touch on? Florida kind of feels like Michigan as they're undefeated, but super frustrating to watch. <laughs> we are better than Florida. <laughs> Shea Patterson is better than Felipe Franks. Um, but yeah, their their defense at, is supposed to be lights out. They had some trouble with Kentucky on offense. They don't really inspire a whole lot of confidence. Bama is Bama. Clemson is Clemson. Ohio State looks really freaking good. How about Joe Burrow, the reclamation project from Ohio State, looking like a stud at LSU? College football playoff right now. Go. Uh, it would be Bama, Clemson, Oklahoma, Ohio State. Ooh, taking Ohio State over Georgia, LSU, any of those guys? Yeah, I mean, just because that's going to sort itself out. A lot of those guys have to play each other. So I think that, you know, if if things hold serve as it is right now, you would take an undefeated Ohio State or Oklahoma team. Now, I don't want to get into what I think is going to happen <laughs> with Ohio State, Michigan, but as of right now, they look like the best team in the Big Ten, and that's just trying to be objective. Yeah. Uh, Georgia, Notre Dame this weekend. You got a prediction? Uh, yeah, I would say Georgia by two scores at least. It's in Georgia. Uh, too many athletes all over the place. They're they, They're loaded at running back. Um, their defense, I mean, they've just retooled, um, you know, after losing guys like Roquan Smith, they're just athletes all over the place. Uh, but that being said, I would not be surprised if Notre Dame kept this closer than a lot of people are predicting. What about you? Yeah, I have Georgia by a field goal. I think Notre Dame is really good and has kind of gone underappreciated the last couple of years. Even after beating Michigan last year, I think people chalked it up as a fluke, but that was a really good team and really well coached. I think Ian Book's a baller. And, um, yeah, I think it's going to be a close game down to the wire. At least I hope so. I want something good to watch at night. I hope so, too. There could be a lot of good college football next week. And, yeah, I do think it'll be close for most of the game. I just see Georgia breaking it open a little bit late, not till the fourth quarter, though. Uh, but I'm, I'm expecting an entertaining game. I mean, Notre Dame's legit. They're the real deal. I mean, I, I don't necessarily think they'll make it back to the college football playoff. Schedule's too tough. But they're a very good team, and that's a good matchup and a lot of good college football next week. Yeah, if they win this game, then that Michigan-Notre Dame game becomes huge because Michigan could be the the only one standing in between them in the playoff as it could be with Ohio State. Yeah, because it's not going to be Stanford or USC the way things look right now. Nope. Absolutely not. But uh, speaking of next week and good college football, we are going to break down the Wisconsin-Michigan matchup as things stand right now. But first, we're going to take a quick break. Be back with you right after that. 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. All right. And we are back on Out of the Blue, going to break down Wisconsin for what feels like the third time this year after doing it in the offseason. Talking about a little bit on the bye. We are back to once again just stew on this matchup. A big matchup early season. Both of us coming off of a bye in a game that's been rather back and forth under Jim Harbaugh. Um, If you go back and look at it from 2016, when we first started playing again under Harbaugh, we won that 14 to seven. That was the Jordan Lewis interception 2017. They got us back in Wisconsin, 24 to 10. And then last year was the uh, maybe not steamroll, but the the handling of Wisconsin 38, 13. So this year we take it to camp Randall, both of us, like I said, coming off of a bye. It's a noon game at camp Randall. Let's get into it. My friend, what do you want to talk about first? I'm so glad this is a noon game because if it was a night game, I couldn't pick Michigan. No. Oh, God, no, no. I want no part of the jump around and that atmosphere and Jonathan Taylor for 60 minutes. No, if it were at night, I think you'd, you'd take Wisconsin by three scores, but it is not. So that being said, I expect a pretty pretty tight game. I mean, Wisconsin defense is kind of what I want to touch on first because they are the number one unit in the country statistically right now. They've taken a huge leap and doing so without any real stars on the defense, just a well-coached unit. Granted, they've played the USF Charlie Strongs and the Central Michigan Chippewas. They haven't really played anyone like Michigan, but this is a great defensive unit that's going to give Michigan some some challenges. A great defensive unit that leads virtually every defensive statistical category in the country and has yet to be scored upon this football season. They have pitched two shutouts, including the evisceration of the Chippewas. How many yards did they have? Like four? Uh, The Chippewas had a total of 58 total yards and three first downs. Three first downs. Good God. So Yeah. yeah, Michigan in this game, especially cannot afford to be going three and outs or anything like that to tire out this defense because Wisconsin is what Michigan has been the previous years. They're going to grind the football, pound the air out of it, throw only when they have to, and work it off of play action. Michigan has to be able to at least move the ball against their defense. Yeah, you're absolutely right. But here's an interesting statistic. Jack Cohn, who is the uh, quarterback for, for Wisconsin, if you've never heard that name and thought it sounded like an insurance salesman, he's thrown the ball more times than Shea Patterson has as a freshman. And has looked pretty good doing it, granted, against, you know, not great defenses. But you're right in the sense that as far as ball control, three and outs could be costly. Turnovers, brutal. I mean, in any game, turnovers are brutal. You can't turn the ball over against Army. We saw that. 
or else you probably should lose the game as we should have. You turn the ball over three times against Wisconsin, it's over. You have more than, I don't know, I want to say like three to five. You can probably afford three, three and outs throughout the entire game, but that's about as as many as you can afford in this game. You need to control the clock. You need to keep it out of Jonathan Taylor's hand. You need to give your defense time to rest. Um, I mean, and maybe that's not necessarily controlling the clock. Maybe that is. We see more of the speed and space. I mean, hey, if you're able to go out and get 14 quick ones, great. Even if that only takes two and a half minutes off the clock, uh, you just need to be in a position where you're not trying to come back against this defense. Uh, because if, if you're one-dimensional against this defense, it could get ugly. I mean, they're improved. Yeah, and playing from behind against Wisconsin is just asking to lose because they were just grinding the clock out with Jonathan Taylor and their defense can relax a little bit and just play prevent. And I don't know if Michigan can overcome that this season. But to your point about Jack Cohn, I think a lot of his passing success is predicated upon the fact that Jonathan Taylor has elevated his game as a receiver and not just a downhill running back. That's true. Granted, he only has five receptions, but three of them are for touchdowns. So Jonathan Taylor's just inhuman. They're going to find ways to get him the ball. Uh, Here's another interesting statistic. Shea Patterson has not thrown for 300 yards as a Michigan Wolverine. Jack Cohn did it in his second game against Central Michigan. So I'm just saying, like, the kid might be a bit of a player. Uh, He's he's putting up numbers. He's scoring touchdowns, like we said, against not great defenses. But, yeah, having a great offensive line and the best running back in college football, that can help a quarterback a ton. How does Michigan's defense attack this Wisconsin team? As it seems, their offense seems to be a little different than years prior. It is, but to quote you, quoting Don Brown, and I'll leave out the expletives, you stop number effing 23, you win the game. <laughs> you, need to, you need to do what it takes to contain Jonathan Taylor. He's going over a bill. He went over a bill on us last year. That's going to happen. But you can't let him get into the end zone three times. Because, I mean, that's what they want their offense to be. I mean, they've got some other weapons. Quintez, Cephas, the wide receiver rings a bell. But for the most part, this offense is Jonathan Taylor. So I'm thinking you probably need to stack 6-7 in the box all game long, which means man-to-man on the outside again for Ambry and Levert. You know, we're used to that. They've done a lot of that. Um, and, and I feel okay with that. Hopefully Brad Hawkins is ready to go because he's really improved his play as a safety. So we're going to need our guys in the back end to be disciplined because I think you've got to load the box at least a little bit. What do you think? You have to load the box, and Wisconsin's pretty traditional. They're going to run a lot of 22, a lot of 12 personnel. It's not going to be anything too crazy out there. They like to run some jet sweeps. That's always something to be aware of. Jazz Peavy a few years ago was – I mean – the prototypical player to run a jet sweep, and he would always run it for him. He'd only come on the field for that. But if you stop Jonathan Taylor, you can win this game. He they like to they like to run their whole passing game off of play action once they establish a run with him, work out some kinks. He's just reliable. He gets the ball, he gets a couple yards here, gets a couple yards there. You have to load the box and you have to have discipline in the secondary not to get your eyes caught in the backfield. Otherwise, Cone's talented. He will take advantage of you. You can't rely on the Alex Hornibrook to just miss a wide-open throw anymore. No, you really can't. And I've only watched a little bit of film on Cone. I mean, there only is a little bit of film out there on him. And he looks plenty accurate, stays in the pocket. What I did notice, though, is he doesn't have a ton of zip on his throws. So he could get into trouble if he you know, tries to make some of those throws that he made against Central Michigan. If he tries to throw across the middle against some of our athletes out there, the Cleek Hudson's hopefully Josh Ross is back there. Uh, you know, Glasgow who's been playing out of his mind. Uh, those guys are faster. So if he's trying to go across the middle late like that, 
you know, we've got guys that are just quicker. Their eyes are going to be watching him. So watch out for Cone to throw an interception. Uh, I think he's only thrown one so far this year. If I am not mistaken, or maybe zero so far this year. So he's been pretty clean, uh, but that, that will revert back to the mean, just like I expect our turnover margin to revert back to the mean calling it right now. Cone throws a pick in this game. I like that. That's going to lead me to my next point. I think that for Michigan to win this game, Josh Metellus has to have a big game in the secondary and at the line of scrimmage. Yeah, I like that. He could be the one for us too. Uh, we need to, to force some turnovers. We've done a decent job in the first two weeks, but it's, kind of seemed like they've been negated because we're turning the ball over so much ourselves. Uh, so winning the turnover battle against Wisconsin will be more important than some teams because of how they want to play. They're playing like we did last year in the last couple years. Ball control, take care of the ball, nothing super flashy, but move the ball down the field. They'll look for a few chunk plays here and there. If we can stop them from hitting any of those chunk plays and make Jonathan Taylor march down the field, that'll help a lot. I mean, if, if we're making them him carry it 30-something times, he's going to wear down a little bit over the game, I think, although he seems inhuman and like he may have been made in a lab. You have to assume if he carries it 33 times, he'll start to wear down. Um, and another interesting thing will be the matchup between he and Charbonnet, if Charbonnet is able to get going. Uh, two really exciting running backs on Saturday. Yeah, I think Charbonnet is one of the upstart, you know, exciting freshman running backs, like a la J.K. Dobbins, a la Jonathan Taylor. He's the next crop of that. So it's really interesting. Could be a passing of the guard kind of game. And you mentioned uh, Jack Cohn. Um, one small correction, he's a junior. He's had He played in some games the last two seasons and occasionally played really bad, especially when under duress. Last year at Penn State, granted it's a year, a year prior, he was 9 of 20 for 60 yards and two picks. And you're absolutely right. Yeah, he is yeah, a was sacked several times. I mean, if you can get to him, I think you can rattle him. And once again, that all begins with stopping Jonathan Taylor and forcing him to be in the pocket and be uncomfortable. You're absolutely right. And that's uh, yeah, big mistake. I mean, he is a junior. I just haven't seen much of him and uh, couldn't find much tape on him. But yeah, he, he does have some. And uh yeah, he, he was one of the guys that helped them wax Miami last year in the pinstripe bowl, so I should have picked up on that. Uh, but I thought maybe he was a freshman and a redshirt freshman. This His name is Jack Cohn. It just sounds like a freshman. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, your name is Jack Cohn. Like, if I had to think of the most generic name possible outside of Joe Smith, Jack Cohn's going to be right up there. Sounds like the name you make up when you're in Vegas for the weekend with your buddies and you don't want your girlfriend to know you're there. Oh, I'm, I'm Jack Cohn. <laughs> That's a good fake name. But uh, to, to get back to Michigan and uh, more importantly, their offense with Shea Patterson and Zach Charbonnet, are we are we finally going to see speed and space this week? Is it does it exist or is it just, you know, kind of a myth? I think that we will now that I've had some time to sit and decompress and look at uh you know, what some other teams have done. And I mean, look at Maryland. They put all that stuff on film and Temple absolutely shut them down. So maybe we were holding back on some stuff. I feel like we almost had to be given with how little we've thrown the ball in the second half so far this season. I mean, I think it's like 12 times or something asinine. We have just not thrown it in the second half. That's going to increase. Uh, I think we will see some speed in space, but I don't think we're, the, the Michigan fans will never be happy until they, I mean, until we just run someone out of the, the stadium 61 to nothing. And even then they'll st probably still be some grumbles. So I think we will see some speed in space. 
Um, but until we get DPJ back and until it's against, you know, a team that doesn't have the number one defense in the country, I don't think it'll be exactly what we all had in mind. If there even is like a quantifiable product for that. No, this game has big 10 barn burner written all over it. Michigan's offense. I think will look better. will at least look competent and not sloppy and more polished. Like they've actually practiced it, which would be a nice change of pace. I think we'll see that and we'll see him move the ball a little bit, but this game feels like the first of 20 wins. Yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right. I was leaning more towards after watching Wisconsin the first two weeks and watching us against Army, I was like, oh, Wisconsin's putting up 40 on us. Uh, I'm backing off on that. I don't think that's the case. USF and Central Michigan are nowhere near as quality opponents as uh, or even as the ones we've played. They're not as good as Army in Middle Tennessee, honestly. So uh, we are one of the only programs in the country with two wins against teams that had winning records last year. Um USF and Central Michigan, I don't know their records last year, but I don't think they did. At least one of them didn't. I know that. So I'm thinking, yeah, I think it's going to kind of revert back to the mean of, of being a barn burner. And I went over those scores earlier, 2016, 14 to 7, 2017, 24 to 10, 2018, 38 to 13. So the losing team generally is not scoring more than two touchdowns. I kind of expect that to, to remain the same here. Um, but that being said, I mean, are we ready for predictions? Any other, uh, any other thoughts on this? Uh, actually, I want to ask you this, who needs to have the biggest game on offense and defense? I know you mentioned Metellus for us to win this game on defense, Metellus or Kalik Hudson, depending on assignment responsibilities and on offense, Shea Patterson, ball security, uh, competence, making the right throws, making the right reads having time, hitting wide open receivers, it starts and ends with Shea Patterson. Yeah, and not fumbling. I agree with you. On defense, so I'm going to go defensive line, especially interior. Hopefully, Dwumfor and Jeter, or at least one of them are back because this is the game you need them. You're going up against, and likely, a first-round center, and Tyler Biad says, I don't know. I never know how to pronounce any names. He's on the so good, though. So good. So whoever we got in the middle, they're going to try and run behind him. So if we can have a guy that can somewhat neutralize him, so I'll say Carlo Kemp because I know he's going to be in there. So it could be a big game for Carlo Kemp. Hutchinson setting the edge. Um, yeah, D-line's going to need to be just on point right out of the gate here. You can't allow Taylor to just get going on you. It could be a long day. And on offense, you're right. It's Shea Patterson. Um, I mean, there's there's no way around it. If he's fumbling the ball, turning the ball over on this team, it could get ugly for us. So he's got to just just take care of the ball. And you don't got to go out and be a gunslinger. I know you want to get to 300 yards. We all want to see him get to 300 yards. I can't believe it hasn't happened yet. But it doesn't have to be this game. You just need to be efficient, control the clock, you know, get positive plays, get Charbonnet involved, get the ball to Nico and uh, Tariq Black, absolutely. Uh, get the tight ends involved. Just spread it out around a little bit and let your defense win this thing. Don't be a hero, but play within the system. You sound so excited for this one, sir. I like it. Um, I am excited. One thing I need to ask you, because I don't know, I don't understand why it's happening. Is Quinn Nordine's ego so fragile that Jim Harbaugh has to come out and say, we're still working it out in regards to their kicking battle? Is that what's going Is he just trying to prevent him from – I don't know, transferring or I don't, I don't get it. Why, what's the Jake Moody's the kicker of this team. Like that's the end of it. Why is there a discussion? I, 
that's very interesting and a, and a good point. Maybe it is. Maybe he is that fragile. Uh, you know what they say about millennials? They say we're a fragile bunch. Although he's not even a millennial. He's like an internet generation or whatever the next generation He's like is. a ZZ or uh, whatever it's called. Yeah, we'll call him the fragile gen, generation glass. <laughs> but uh, Should be a writer. <laughs> yeah, maybe I should. Uh, yes, it could be something like that because I don't know why it would matter – if he would transfer unless you're just so in love with his leg talent that you're hoping that he gets his head out of his ass and eventually becomes the kicker. He could, you know, potentially be, but what has given you reason to believe that's going to happen? No, if he wants to transfer, let him transfer. Who wants it? If he can kick the ball to Canada, what's it matter if he can't kick it between the two goalposts? That's what I'm saying. He can kick the ball to Canada, but he couldn't pick the province. (laughs) (laughs) He's He's going to be aiming for Vancouver. It's going to end up in Ontario. <laughs> you were a true man of master of Canadian geography and Michigan football knowledge. <laughs> yeah, I, I wouldn't care if he transferred. That wouldn't bother me. Now, find a way to keep Joe Milton happy. Now, that's a different discussion. Yeah, I would pack Quinn Nordine's bags and drive him to the airport in Detroit and buy him a first-class ticket. I will. I'll use my own money. I don't care. <laughs> Michigan University, if you need Quinn- some help out there, we're here to help. We're here to help getting Quentin Nordine out of town. I, I don't think that's an NCAA violation if we're paying him money to leave a program. <laughs> Anywhere you want, kid. Where do you want to play? <laughs> it won't be Michigan. But, yeah, I'd be fine with never seeing him attempt a field goal. And field goals are going to come into play in this game. Guaranteed. They have in every game we've watched with the, with, against Wisconsin. Hasn't, wasn't Wisconsin the team in the last – not last year, but the previous two years were missed field goals, had it like much closer than it should have been. I feel like 2016 was definitely yeah, in 2016, that game. I was there. One of the best games I've still ever been to. Kenny Allen missed three, I believe. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, we should have, that game should have been a two score game for sure. And it wasn't because of field goals. And I feel like we missed one last or 2017 as well. And maybe even last year. I feel like missed field goals have been a thing in these games. So definitely something to keep your eye on. Uh, special teams as well. I really think our boy Giles Jackson is, is housing one this year. I don't know how good the Wisconsin special teams are, but I know that uh, Paul Chris definitely puts an emphasis on special teams. Just something to watch for. I mean, if we can get a, an extra score in special teams, or I mean, if we can hit all of our field goals, it's going to make a big difference in this because it's going to be a barn burner. More likely to happen, Shea Patterson with three passing touchdowns or Giles Jackson with one return touchdown? Ooh, I'll say Shea with three. I'm not going to hate on my boy just because he's off to a mediocre start. I could not believe that stat that in 15 games he's never thrown for over 300 yards. I mean, that's the better question. Do you think he goes for over three bills on this one? No, not against this defense. And hey, don't take Dad Rudock for granted. I would never. You know I would not. Dad Rudock is wearing new balances and grilling somewhere right now, presiding over his four children. Just <laughs> his, his, his Roth MRI is healthy. I mean, he, his hairline's looking good. He's living his best I life. I need a Jake Rudock jersey as much as we talk about him. We really do. I mean, I want a Devin Bush jersey pretty badly, but a Dad Rudock jersey? That's Say fine. no more, fam. All right, man. Let's do predictions. What do you got? It's time. You go first. I can't do it. All right. Um, it's going to be close. Jonathan Taylor's going to go over 100, barely eclipsed it last year against a better defense. We'll see how this unit is. I think they the best is still yet to come for both sides of the ball for Michigan. But I kind of want to put a reverse jinx out there. Wisconsin's rolling. 
They look good on both sides. I mean, their defensive front is ferocious. Their new linebackers are replacing Edwards and Connolly are crazy good. A lot of talent. We'll, we'll test their speed a little bit vertically, hopefully. But for right now, I'm going to go Wisconsin 24 to 20. Man, so interesting. Uh, over in the offseason, we both picked the same score on this one. We had it Michigan 31, Wisconsin 21. Yeah, a lot has – I mean, it's only been two weeks, and I hope I'm overreacting. I hope Michigan comes out here and wins, and they very well could. I'm only picking a four-point loss, but I think it's going to be a game where Michigan finds themselves down 24-17 to 17 late, driving. They settle for a field goal, try to play defense. Wisconsin runs the ball out, and that's how it ends. So player of the game, probably Jonathan, Jonathan Taylor. Jonathan Taylor on offense for them, and um, defensively, I'll, I'll just say that defensive front for probably stuffing the run and forcing – Michigan to throw the ball when they're not ready. But it's going to be – this game could easily, easily become 31-21 Michigan. But from what we've seen from both sides right now, I feel more comfortably to objectively pick Wisconsin to win by four. Right. Uh, and, hey, you're not going to hear me fighting back against, you know, although we're outlandish and we're just fans of Michigan football, we're not professional writers or columnists or former players or anything. We can only go off what we've seen so far just like everyone else can for making these predictions. And based off what I've seen so far, that's a pretty reasonable prediction. I'm going to go 27-24 Wisconsin, um, not because like I don't have any faith in the team. That's not the case. We could absolutely use this bye week and turn things around. The talent on this team is outstanding. If John Runyon comes back, we could be able to run the ball on this Wisconsin team pretty effectively. And if we are, I will say this, uh, my number is 120 yards. If Charbonnet goes for over a buck 20 and gets a score, I think we win this game handily. If he goes over 100, I'll feel good about us winning this game handily. So I'll say Charbonnet over 100 is my number. But that being said, I just, looking at this defense, they haven't allowed a point yet. Granted, against inferior opponents, I've just got to go with what I've seen. And like you said, reverse jinx this thing. Obviously, I don't want this. We're giant Michigan fans. Don't take this as, you know, oh, we're bailing on the program. It's at Camp Randall. Wisconsin's really freaking good. I've got Wisco 27-24. Prove me wrong, boys. Can't wait. Trust me, if Michigan wins this game in any capacity, I don't care if it's by a point or by 100, we will come on this podcast, happily eat crow, and spew some wild takes for the rest of the season. This game is a prediction setter it kind of sets the standard and the expectation for the rest of the season whatever happens here is going to either excite you for the rest of the year depress you or maybe a little bit of both if it's a close game and they just happen to lose they could write the ship and you know still make it to the big 10 championship could do a whole bunch of things the season is still in front of them this game will set the expectations for the rest of the season so don't overreact Exactly. We don't really know much about either team yet. We think we know something about Wisco. I mean, we know they have a dynamic running game. What do we know about Michigan thus far? Do we know anything other than their defense is solid? No, that's about it. I would say that's the only thing we know. And I mean, can we say anything about special teams? Not really. We've got a good punter. Will Hart's the man. Yeah, I trust our punting game and I trust our defense. With Wisco, you've got to go into this feeling as confident as ever. You've got to be trusting your quarterback, your O-line, your running back looks good. Receivers have been doing enough. I mean, yeah, if I'm a Wisconsin fan, I'm going into this confident. I just made a bet with a guy at work today, gentleman's bet, six-pack of beer on this game. And I was he asked me to predict who I thought was going to win. And I was like, right now, I mean, Wisco looks like the better team. It's just 
That's just how it is. But you're absolutely right when you said a loss here does not kill the season. No. It would not. If we lose a close game and we look pretty good, improved, I mean, we could still do a lot. Yeah. this Everything would still be in front of Michigan. They can take care of business. And if they lose to Wisconsin and win every game in front of them after that, guess what? They win the Big Ten East. That's how it works. You could, you could lose to Wisconsin and Notre Dame, still win the Big Ten East. Yeah. So – Let's let's settle down. You know, things good things are coming. One thing to remember though, Michigan's been tested. They've had their backs against the wall. They've almost been the laughing stock in the country, but they weren't. They came back, battled back. Aiden Hutchinson made a huge play. Quiddy Pay and Josh Uche forced a fumble. Jake Moody hit a game-winning field goal before they had the ball again. Wisconsin hasn't been tested yet. We don't know who they are. You need to put it on the table and show us what it's about because Michigan's done that. They've proven they can be resilient, unlike previous teams. So they have that in their back pocket to fall on. When the chips were down and it was just them on the field as fans and pundits alike were turning their backs on them, Michigan rallied back and won. So that's something to look forward to. Man, you were like verbally massaging my genitals with all that. That was that was lovely stuff right there. Uh, yeah, way to get me excited when I was uh, when I was ready to you know kind of just meh into oblivion over this. <laughs> You're absolutely right. We have been tested, and Wisconsin has not. They haven't faced anyone that looks anything like Michigan. We both had a bye week going into this, which is an interesting point that we're both you know just foaming at the mouth, getting prepped for this, but. Man, you just took me from six to midnight. I feel like I just mainlined about six monster energy drinks. I was, uh, you know, feeling down on this game, but there's no question I'm excited for this matchup because, like you were saying earlier, at least we're going to know what kind of team we have after this. Yeah, the rest of the season will be before us, and we can, you know, taper expectations accordingly or just be outrageously optimistic. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, the only way we're going to come out of this feeling like the season's over is if it's some sort of 49 to nothing beatdown. I don't see that happening. I can't imagine Harbaugh's going to get beat down on the road, not at noon, not against Wisconsin, a team that he's very familiar with. He has a ton of respect for Paul Christ. I mean, they were basically the same coach up until this year when Harbaugh mixed things up. So a lot of similarities between the two coaches. I don't think it'll be a blowout, but whew. I'm ready to go now. I can't wait, man. Michigan football's back after a week off. It's time for the stress, joy, fury, anger, and just overall happiness to have it back again, man. I can't wait to be so stressed out on Saturday. Absolutely. I'll be watching this one from the Michigan bar in downtown Denver, uh, be surrounded by good maize and blue crowds. So I'm ready, brother. Uh, any final thoughts? Go blue. All right, that's going to do it for Out of the Blue. Make sure that you follow us on Twitter at Andy underscore Bailey one at oblue87. Uh, make sure you follow Maze and Brew on Twitter at Maze and Brew. Like us on Facebook, Instagram, all that stuff. Give us all your likes. Like, share, subscribe. Leave a review for all your shows. Let us know what you want to hear from us. We're always looking for the fans' opinions. If you want to be on our show, reach out to us on Twitter. It's the best way. We'd love to bring a fan on. Uh, make sure that you uh, leave a review on where all you get your get all of your content podcast searching Maze and Brew podcast on Apple, Google, Spotify, and more. We'll be back tomorrow with a brand new episode of Closing Time, hosted by our fearless leader Anthony Broom. I'm Jared. That's Andy. This is Out of the Blue. We'd like to remind you that wherever you go, go blue. <laughs> <laughs>